to C3 Church Hepburn Heights. We believe Jesus Christ gives life to the full and we are called to live it and share it. We pray you enjoy this message today. Well, absolute joy to be with you. And I know uh, maybe if it's your first time to church, maybe a friend said, come along to church or you Googled church or you saw the sign or, or someone just bribed you to come today. We're really glad that you're here and pray that today that you're experiencing something of the life and love and the reality of God because He loves you and He's for you. And one of the, the greatest things that could happen today is if you don't have a connection with God, a personal connection, not just that you're a churchgoer, but a personal connection with the living God that changes your life from the inside out. The greatest thing that could happen today is that we could lead you in a prayer and begin a journey of relationship with God. And so there'll be an opportunity to do that at the end of the service. So hang in there and get ready for that. Uh, Jace mentioned I've written this book. Uh, I, I said to some crew yesterday, someone said, uh, writing a book is like having a baby and that's just a no-go zone for me to make that comparison. So I'm not, I'm not even going to try or pretend, but uh, t- uh, over about a year, it was kind of one of COVID's gifts to me. I always said I should write a book and COVID gave me the chance of not travelling a lot to, to sit down and write down this book around money and around finances. And, and as pastors, one of our our roles is to really help disciple people in every area of life. So, you know, to go, what's the Bible say about this part of our life? Because the Bible's giving us God's instructions and the best way to do things. And so that might be about relationships. That might be about family life. That might be about our heart and our mind and our inner world and how we keep those aligned. That might be about prayer and, 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 and devotional life. But it also, so it encompasses every area of life. And it also includes finances. Money's a big part of every one of the, our lives in this room right now. If you don't do money the right way with God's way, it'll do all sorts of things. One of the greatest pressure points of most marriages is, is finances. One of the reasons that families break up often is around money. One of the reasons that, that people sort of sell their soul and become workaholics and then neglect the things that are important is the pursuit of the God of money. Money is a vital area in our life. For Christians, many of us will have some, we may have heard the idea that God wants to bless us, but if we don't actually experience that, that can then become a discouragement to our soul and and it'll actually be a weight to our walk and relationship with God. And so uh, discipleship around money and finances is a really important thing. You've heard Jesus preached about it. It was called the Sermon on the Amount. I mean, no, the Sermon on the Mount, sorry. The Sermon on, right through, that was a joke. Right through, just, you know, if you've got to say it's a joke, then you're in bad territory, all right? Just, just, which does remind me, a friend, when I was in college, I was so broke, I couldn't afford the electricity bill. Those were the darkest days of my life. Come on, the dad jokes. How many dads have we got in the house here today? Just let me work with you, all right? This is another one. The bank recently rang me and told me I had an outstanding balance. I said, that's fantastic. That's what my gym instructor used to say. <laughs> outstanding balance. Okay, all right, sorry. So money's a thing. So 
I want to give you, if you like, a, a, a paradigm, a metaphor that God gave to me. And I've been involved in business. I've done a degree in business. I've run business for the last 30 years. I, I still have, own a business that, that I run with staff. Uh, when you're involved in leading a church uh, and a church like this, then your pastors effectively are business people. Like There's a realm of business that goes with looking after the resources of a church. And so in, in that realm, God, you know, I've b- both through personal experiences and through pastoring and getting feedback from people over a number of years, I've really looked at what the Bible says so that my framework actually lines up with the Bible. I don't know about you, but I want to honour God with every area of my life. I want to do things God's way so that He's honoured and glorified. And so the, the metaphor that God gave me around finances is imagine that your financial world is represented by a car. Okay, a car. A four-wheel car, just to be really clear. And so if you've ever driven a car and you've got a flat tire on your car, what you do is you go to the servo or you go to the, you go to the petrol station, wherever it is you go to, and what you don't do is the back left-hand tire is flat. You don't pump up the front right-hand tire a bit more, do you? You, you, you pump up the back left-hand tire. And so the metaphor that God gave me around finances is that there's essentially four key tires to your financial world. And and, and the four of them are, we've probably got some screens here, but the four of them are, number one, a biblical mindset, a right mindset. Number two is wise stewardship. Number three is generosity. And number four is a spirit of faith. Now, I've found and experienced Christians over a number of of time who have encountered frustration around their money and financial world, and and it might go something like this. I've been tithing and giving and tithing and giving so much, and I've given in breakthrough offerings, and I've given in beyond offerings, and I've stretched, and I've given sacrificially, but I can't seem to break through, so what am I going to do? Oh, I'm going to give it another level to try and break through. That mindset is actually some, that's like going, well, I've got a really pumped up tire. I'm just going to pump it up a little bit more. Because if they're not being wise stewards with their finances, their giving is not the problem. It's the stewardship that's the problem. Or if they're not, if we're not praying and believing and activating our faith around it, that's the problem. Okay, so, so today we're going to do a tire check. All right, this is, look, just turn to your neighbor and say, it's time for a tire check. Just come on. Turn to your other, other neighbour, your less favourite neighbour, the one you didn't turn to in the first place, and say, it's also time for a tyre check for you. Come on, you know it, you know it. All right, so, so let's have a look. I'm going I'm to get right into this. Uh, as Jason said, I mean, I've, there's a lot more detail. It's quite an autobiographical book that I've written, a lot of it, my own stories, my own experience. But this is, let's get into it. Let's talk about the first tyre that's really pivotal, and it's a right mindset. A biblical mindset. Now, if we everybody, everybody in this room, you have a mindset about money. You, you've got it. It's it's almost your subconscious core belief about finances, and it's it's been placed in your life through your upbringing, through the culture of your family of origin, through the you know maybe through the the teachings that you've been exposed to around church through some of the experiences you've had. Uh, for many of us, it's been shaped by a, a world that's bombarding us with marketing messages. 
Uh, it's, been, it's been shaped by the movies. It's been shaped by the culture that we live in. Now, for some of us, the culture that we've lived in has been a church culture. And so that's shaped it a certain way. For others, the culture we've lived in hasn't been so much a church culture. And it's, it's a particular way we think, but it's, but it's in, built in us. And if in your inbuilt mindset, you believe at your core that God wants you to be poor to honour Him, then it doesn't matter how much you give, pray, or as a, are a wise steward, the reality of your core belief is going to be the ceiling of your life. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he, the Bible says. So this is, this is the issue. So I'll, I'll tell you where, where I started, because pretty much you're going to have one of these three mindsets. You're going to have a poverty mindset, a materialistic mindset, or a biblical mindset. We're quiet in here, isn't it? I love it. You're going to have a poverty mindset, a materialistic mindset, or a biblical mindset. So I, I had a degree in a poverty mindset. All right. I grew up in a, in a quite good Christian home, but, but quite religious. My parents had been missionaries. Uh, and the, the, the whole idea, in the, and some of you, if you've grown up in a religious kind of environment, uh, you, you might have, for example, in the Catholic Church, it would be taught that if you're seriously a devout person, that the most devout will take two kinds of vows, a vow of celibacy and a vow of poverty. Now, I'm a happily married, red-blooded male, and the whole celibacy thing is out the window, all right? So that's a deal-breaker for me. But, but in my thinking, like, well, maybe if poverty is what's going to please God, if me not having money is somehow going to appease or make God really like me more, then, then I'll be into it. And somehow through, through a whole lot of different teaching, through just subtle comments, uh, through misinterpretation of Scripture, people grow up thinking, for example, that money is the root of all evil. Now, that's not what the Bible says, but people hear that and they go, oh, money is the root of it. What the Bible says is the love of money, the lust after money is the root of all evil. But we often have had scriptures twisted for us so that we actually think, oh, no, this is, this is pleasing to God. This is what Paul in the book of Timothy calls the doctrine of demons. He says it's the doctrine of demons that makes you basically think abstaining from certain foods and, be, and, and not having sex makes you closer to God. Because the devil wants you to think that you're going to earn your righteousness and God's pleasure in your life by what you withhold from. So therefore, if you're going to be really holy, withhold from eating certain kinds of food and make sure you're poor and then make sure that you never actually get married, that's somehow going to honour God. And Paul calls it the doctrine of demons. So there is a demonic mindset, a demonic stronghold that will get into people's minds and, and, and the Christian, well-meaning, sincere Christians' minds that will make you go, you're going to please God by being poor or if not poor, just not having very much. So as for me growing up with that kind of idea, I, I remember, and uh, you know, forgive me if I've shared some of these stories here before, but I remember 
I would take pride in my uh, lack of materialism as a young man. My mum would sew some of my clothes. One of my favourite pair of shorts was a yellow and black stripy pair of shorts with a Velcro fly. Just sensational. Sensa- I, I know how, I can't believe the girls would stay away from me, really. But that, uh, and then I had a yellow op shop purchase t-shirt from, called Bob's Boathouse. Uh, from somewhere in New South Wales. I didn't know Bob, I didn't like boats, and I'd never been to this town in New South Wales. But for me, somehow, this outfit represented the fact that I, could, I was wearing $5 outfits and giving glory to God. And I was proud about my lack of financial world. Now, hey, if you, if you don't, if you can't, there's nothing wrong with op shop shopping. It's become trendy again, right? It's just it's like it's... So there's nothing wrong with it. However, what, when you can afford to enjoy things and you feel guilty when you do, that tells me that something's going on. So two of the main signs that you've got a poverty mindset of this. Number one is you feel guilty about enjoying financial things that you can afford. You feel guilty about it. I remember numerous, the, the first time I got into a, a car that was new, just struggling with Feelings of guilt around it. I remember staying in a in a, a nice hotel for our honeymoon, going, surely we could be somewhere cheaper, saving money. Like you know, I'd never said that to Danielle, but in the, like the backpackers down the road would be magnificent. No, but on the it wasn't expressed. It's just guilt. There's this little voice on the inside of me. That's my. That's a stronghold, saying you could pay less for this. You, and this is, this is Judas. This woman's broken the alabaster jar. It's a year's worth of wages in a moment of an offering. This, this could have been given to the poor. That's a poverty mindset. So the two signs are, one, you'll feel guilty about that, about enjoying financial things you can enjoy. And two is you'll judge others who are financially blessed and enjoying it. You'll look at them and judge them. I remember when a visiting preacher came to our church in a brand new four-wheel drive. And I looked, and inside, the internal dialogue was, this guy can't be a man of God. Doesn't he know there's starving children in Africa? Doesn't he know the church could do with more money? Why would he be driving a brand new four-wheel drive? That's the inner dialogue that's going on. So not only do I feel guilty if I'm enjoying, I'm also judgmental of somebody else. There's two key signs of someone with a poverty mindset. You find it all through the Bible. The older brother stays back with, in the, the story of the prodigal son. When the, when the son comes back and they have a party, he's, he's cracking a darkie that they're having a party. Why? Because he's got this wrong mindset of his father. His father's like, you've always been with me. We could have had parties all the time. All you had to do was ask, I love you. But he's got a religious poverty mindset. All right, now I'm not going to do a survey right now. But elbow your neighbour if you think they've got a poverty mindset. Okay, no, no, no. Just kidding. All right, let's, let's keep moving along. Then there's the other side. Just because some of you are like, oh, I'm off the hook. Oh, you don't have a poverty mindset. Then there's a materialistic mindset. Now, this is the one. This is the world's mindset. Your success and identity is in the clothes, the holidays, the house, the, the car you drive, the, the money you've got in the bank. This is, this is the, uh, and Jesus put it like this, and I'm just, I'm, I'm sort of glazing across here. There's lots of scriptures that really form the foundation of this. But Jesus said it like this, you can't serve God and money. They're diametrically opposed. He used the word mammon, which was a spirit that made material things a God. 
And the Western world that we live in right now, the, material, the God of the Western world is materialism. It's money. So that's why when people come to church and we talk about giving money to God or a tithe, some of them are like, you're like, how much did you spend at the pub on Friday night? Oh yeah, 500 bucks. Like, oh, and we're talking about giving 50 bucks to God and you're, you're manifesting. What's going on? That's because we're messing with your God. We're messing with the thing that you're laying your life down to serve. And so this, this material, now it's subtle and it surges into our, into our world. And the, the, you, you, the, the sort of mantra of someone with a materialistic mindset, you go, they go, are you satisfied with what you've got? No. How much do you need? Just a little bit more. And then they get that little bit more and, oh, just a little bit more. It just leaves you unsatisfied. It's a, there's a false sense uh, of identity around materialism. And you find that where Jesus meets the rich young ruler and he, and he says, sell it all. Break the power that this thing has got over you. It's controlling you. Sell it all and come and follow me. And now sometimes people go, oh, okay, does that mean to be a follower of Jesus? I mean to sell everything. And this, this wasn't what Jesus was saying. He wasn't saying everybody who's going to follow me, you've got to sell everything. This guy had an issue and he needed to break the spirit of mammon, the, the control that money had over his life. God would look after him. He would, he would, this, and Peter said, oh, we've given up so much. And he said, well, you will receive so much in this life and the life to come. So it wasn't about you can't have money. It was about it can't control you. If you've got a materialistic mindset, then, then this is what you'll... So a poverty mindset is guilty. Material, materialistic mindset is greedy. It's greedy and it's proud about what I've got and what I've done and how I've achieved. So then you flick over, well, what's the, what's the right mindset? And I, I'm going to be careful not to spend all morning on the one wheel. But I find in church life, this is a, this is a big wheel. You've got to get this right, okay? The, 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 the biblical mindset is this. One of God's names is Jehovah Jireh. Come on, how many, who remembers singing that one back in the day? Jehovah Jireh, my provider. Anyway, okay, okay. I've got some, there's, some, there's some people in the room who are feeling this right now. All right. My provider, my provider, Jehovah Jireh. That's, that's the nature of God. So if, you know, I shared yesterday with some of the business people, there's a scripture that says, remember the Lord your God because it's He who will give you the power to create wealth. Now, poverty, poverty mindset, John would go, oh, he couldn't possibly, wealth's evil. But in reality, if God's going to give you the power to create wealth, you've got to think that, that wealth actually is something beneficial. It's, it's actually amoral, but it's something God wants to get into your hands if your heart is in the right place. So God by nature, He's a provider. God by nature is a generous Father who loves to give you gifts to see a smile on your face because that's just who He is. He loves you. He, now here's the thing. He doesn't want money to control you. He doesn't want money to be uh, something that, that's, you know, that you're chasing after. He wants it to be something that's a tool that can flow through your hands. And, and so this is, the, this is the test that I have. You might, you know, some of you are like, oh, I'm a car guy. I'm a car girl. I really would love this particular type of car. And, and I've found that what happens with people, as you prove yourself faithful, there'll be moments where God goes, I'm giving you that car. And, and poverty person looks at you and judges you. Okay, don't worry about that. 
the materialism thing start will grab on you because then God might go through years later. Now that's been awesome. Now I'd love you to give that away. This is when you know, has it got a hold of you? Uh, is this just a resource that God is trusting me with? Or is this something that's become my God? And I've found that on a consistent basis, I have to give sacrificially. I have to give things away so that they don't get a hold of me and they don't make that... You can, it's interesting. God, the Bible doesn't say that, there's, that you, know, you can't serve God or anything else apart from money. So the thing that's going to go so much after your heart and mindset and focus is going to be money. That's, that, that's the world we live in. So a Bible mindset goes like this. Real quick, God's a provider. He's a generous father. Uh, he, he, you know, you, you just read through the Bible and you'll see things like manna falling from heaven, Kentucky Fried Quail falling from heaven. You'll, you'll see things like water turning into wine. You'll see things like fish and bread being multiplied. You'll see business people who could catch nothing and then they're catching something the next day. Provision miracles are all the way through the Bible because it's the nature of God. As much as it's the nature of God as a saviour of your spirit and a healer of your body, He is also a provider for your financial needs. That's who He is. Someone say amen. That's good preaching. Now here's the thing. We've got to understand uh, everything we have. Okay, he, He delights in the prosperity of His servants. Let me read Psalm 35, 27. Let them shout for joy, be glad, who favor my righteous cause. Let them say continually, the Lord be magnified, who has pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. This is, this is awesome. If you are aligned with, the, with God's purpose on planet earth, advancing the kingdom of God, building the church, relieving poverty, if you're aligned with that, that makes you his servant, God is pumped about you prospering. Like, really? Absolutely. He's, he is delighted in you, in you prospering when you're aligned. So once your heart's aligned and money's flowing through you, God will he'll bless you. Blessing is not the ultimate end for you. It's just the byproduct and the bonus. But you don't need to reject it with a religious mindset. We're blessed to be a blessing. We, we should always trust God and not our possessions. And we need to live with eternity at the forefront of our thinking. So often the Bible says, don't store up treasure on earth where rust and moths and bank fees erode, modern version, but store up treasure in heaven. So the call for every serious disciple of Christ is to live with an eternal perspective, understanding that the money that comes through our life is a tool to store up treasure, salvation, souls, people out of darkness in heaven. That's, that's the alignment. That's, that, that's wheel number one, right mindset. Now I'm going to just do a quick little survey right now. Well, I'm not going to ask you to put your hands up, but I want you to go. Where am I in the, in the mindset thing? What do I need to work on? Do I lean towards the poverty mindset and I need to actually allow the fact that God wants to prosper me? The way you change it is get scriptures about that and just speak them over your life until you, it's basically you've been, re, you've been programmed to think a certain way. So you, you reprogram your mind. The Bible says you're transformed by the renewing of your mind, by the confession of the scripture. What, what does the Bible say? I need to speak that. I shouldn't feel guilty about that. The Lord delights in my prosperity. So the way you rewire is you repent from a wrong mindset and you speak the Word of God. All right. 
So wherever you stand, that's number one. Number two, let's keep going through the wheel. So that's, that's the first wheel. To me, I feel like it's probably the most important one to get right. Then we jump into the next one, wise stewardship. How are we going? Wise stewardship. Bible says in Psalms 24 verse 1, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all those who live in it. So here, I want you to know today that all of the resources that you have right now, the house, the car, the, you know, the, 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 the trampoline out in the backyard, it's all God's. It's His. And you are a steward of it. You are a manager of it. This is why the Bible gives so many parables. Jesus gave parables about wise stewards, white people who look. So it's, it's not yours, it's His. Turn to your neighbour and say, it's not yours, it's His. Now, what, what, how does that affect us? Well, once, once we get that revelation that I'm a steward of God's resources, it changes everything. It, so the, the first principle of being a wise steward is tithing. Tithing is not a principle of generosity. Tithing is a principle of stewardship. All the money coming into your world, although it might come from the government, from your parents, come on parents, from, from your wage, from your business, from your investments, from what, or the, the streams of income coming into your life might be particular things, but the source of every stream is God. And so the way that you honour God as a steward is to go, oh, this, this income's come into my life and Lord, you require the first 10% of all of the increase to be returned to you. I don't think you give your tithe. If I gave you 100 bucks and said, now you can keep 90, I just want you to return the 10 bucks to me and you, you came up to me and said, hey, here's 10 bucks, I'm feeling so generous today. You go, uh, no, that's not how it works. That, that, that's all mine. I'm letting you have 90. I, that was, the test is that you give me the 10 back. That's like buying your kids hot chips and then you take a few and they're like, stop that. I'm like, hang on a minute. Who bought the chips? This is called a dad tax, right, on chips. This is, this is the dad tithe. Okay, this is how it works. So everything you own comes from God from God, belongs to God. So the tithe is the test. There are seven principles. I think I've got them. We're just, I'll just put them up real quick because I want to cover some territory. So tithing is number one. Budgeting, hello. You want to see the blessing of God, you've got to actually plan and have a budget. Now, you, if, you're, if you're married to a spender, give me a wave. If you're married, come on. If you're married to a saver, give me a wave. If you're married to an extremely generous person, give me a wave. All right. If it creates tension in your marriage, give me a wave. All right. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the reality of life. Opposites attract. All right. This is why budgets are so important. You've got to actually make a plan. We've got this much coming in. We need to spend less than what's coming in. And we need to actually not just make a budget. We need to review the budget. I try to buy about by the 15th of each month, uh, do a review of how we went last month because I need to be a good steward. The Bible says, know well the conditions of your flocks and your herds. That's the test. If you aren't good at that, that might be the wheel that you need to pump up today. All right, it's just getting too real right now. Diligence. Diligence is hard work. Bible says the hand of the, of the diligent shall prosper. So, okay. A lot of Christians hear the story. Someone gave in a miracle moment and then God, they got this incredible breakthrough and it's like, oh, that sounds awesome. I gave 
and I'm going to check the letterbox in my pyjamas for the next five years waiting for the breakthrough to come. That is not how God prospers us. He prospers us through hard work. Uh, I shared again with the business people yesterday, supernatural provision looks like this. You doing everything you can in the natural, but then God comes over the top with the super when you do things His way. Okay, hard work, excellence. Uh, I won't go into these things. Integrity. Okay, don't go cheating on your tax return and expecting God to bless you. Okay, all right. That was harsh, wasn't it? Okay, uh, number, number six, wise use of credit. Okay, so we're living in a world that is trying to trap you, spending more money than you're earning to suck you into the credit trap, all right? I know a guy recently and his credit card got stolen, but he decided not to report it because the thief was spending less than his wife did with the credit card. So he's like, I'm so sorry. Just, just, anyway, okay, why is this so bad? Girls, I love you. I, I need to do some reverse work here right now. Now I, I did the wheelie bin story. That was bad. That was that was good. All right. Why is the use of credit? So just some people literally need to cut up your credit card and only have a debit card and don't spend what you don't have. And or if you're caught in the trap, find a way out or or get some marry some money mentors or do some money courses. Uh, all that investments. Wise investment. Okay, just were. Uh, 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 a warning here is Christians tend to be the most gullible people because we believe in the supernatural. And so when someone says, I've got this investment and you're going to earn 50 times what you put in in three months, that's not going to happen. Okay, if it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. All right, so make sure, this is what you want to make sure. If you're going to be in high risk investments, it's money you can afford to lose. Otherwise, Get some wise people who are experienced uh, coaching you so that not everything you earn, you're consuming, but you're actually putting some money aside. Jesus, Jesus got up a guy and said, mate, the minute, this, this, you were given a talent and you didn't even invest it and you didn't even put it in the bank. That's the least thing you should have done with it. God's into being a wise investor. That's part of his strategy. Okay, that's the wise stewardship wheel. We'll keep moving along because that could all be really convicting and quite challenging, but it's there to help you. Number three, are we doing all right? Right, mindset, wise stewardship. Number three is generosity. All right, I feel like I don't need to spend a lot of time on this because as churches, we often talk about, about generosity, but what you have to understand Bible says, God is not mocked. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. What you sow, you will reap. The principle of sowing and reaping is a biblical principle that God has put into the planet. And so it's, it's, it's not, I once thought it was a manipulative tool of preachers to get more money out of people. If you sow more, you'll reap more. Hallelujah. That's what, that's what, I, that's what I used to think. And I actually started to get a little bit, you know you're in trouble when, you're, when someone's quoting Scripture and you're starting to think, man, that sounds really manipulative. Oh, hang on, that's the Apostle Paul. Oh, that's the Bible. Oh, okay, maybe the problem's not with that. Maybe the problem's with me. Maybe I've become cynical and I need to look in the mirror and we've had some significant moments like this, but this is, this is the reality. This is how God set it up. When you're generous... It is not like it is sowing seed. And then God multiplies that seed back into your life. Let's, let's just, let me read you a couple of Bible verses so you're absolutely clear. Um, jumping down through my notes. 
Here we go. Uh, Do not be deceived. God's not mocked. Whatever a man sows, he'll reap. Galatians 6 verse 9. Let us not grow weary while doing good for in due season we will reap if we do not lose heart. If you read all through 2 Corinthians 9 verse 6, he who sows sparingly, that's talking about giving, will reap sparingly. He who sows bountifully will reap bountifully. When you understand this, Oh my gosh. Okay, when you understand this. I don't know how many of you are gardeners, obviously not Pastor Jason and Emma, but there might be some others in the, in the room who are gardeners. Ben, okay, thank you. Thank you. I see that hand. <laughs> All right, now, I grew up on a farm. I grew up with my, and my parents and grandparents, awesome veggie gardeners. And I never remember a moment when my grandma, who was an award-winning gardener, I never remember a moment where she would say, I'm going to take these tomato seeds and I'm going to plant them in the garden out the back because I love the experience of planting. I'm not going to expect tomatoes to grow. Oh no, that would be insincere. I'm just going to plant the tomato seeds because I feel like that's what God wants me to do, just to plant. No one would ever plant seeds like that without an expectation that they would grow and there would be a harvest. This is the analogy that is used all through the Bible around giving and finances. So once you understand it, the way to supernaturally increase in God's realm. So all of those wise stewardship things are mostly natural ways to be good at managing your money. And that's really important. But if you want to kick into a supernatural zone, you have to understand that God's way of bringing increase, now you know He wants to increase you because He loves you. He wants to prosper you. He wants to get money through you. He wants to build the church. He wants to relieve people from poverty. You know you need more money to be able to pay for stuff. You're managing your money well. You go, how do I bring increase into my life? The key is sowing. Now, not like a ridiculous amount of money the first time you've never, you just, you sow over a period of time. And so, you, so it's like, oh, I'm, I'm sowing this week. I'm sowing. I'm, I'm just, I'm, my tithe is this, but I'm sowing that over and above because God doesn't promise to multiply your tithe back to you. He promises to multiply your giving back to you. But if you do not lose heart, which gets me to point number four, a wheel number four, and this is the wheel of faith, the spirit of faith. Had a couple sit in my office at one point. Uh, and they were having that, that awkward chat that every now and then a pastor has with someone in the church, sort of, we're moving on. And I'm like, oh, I love these guys. Why are you moving on? Why are you going to go to another church? And they just said, because the money thing, it doesn't work for us. We've, and, and we've been generous. We've tithed. We've given sacrificially. But we just can't seem to break through financially. I'm like, and, and I, this was probably a couple of years after this, this metaphor of the four wheels of financial blessing had landed for me. And I'm like, okay, all right. And I'm listening, I'm listening. And then so I just asked a simple question. Okay, tell me how much time are you spending each day praying and exercising your faith around your finances? It's just like, what? What do you mean? I'm like, well, you know, faith is the key that accesses every kingdom reality for your life. Faith is what faith is what pulls healing out of the supernatural into your world. Faith is what brings provision. 
Uh, this is, so the Bible, when it says that if you don't lose heart, you will reap where you've sown. Uh, the Bible says uh, faith is a confidence of things that you're hoping for. So if you don't have a confidence in your heart that what you're sowing is going to multiply back to you, then that's a faith issue. That means what I've got to do is I've got to stir up my faith. I've got to begin to ask God to give me some promises. I've got to begin to declare those promises over my world. And time and time again, Danielle and I have seen this in operation. Last story, and we're going to bring it to a close. And if you've got a keyboardist, you can come up here. Last story, we were in a season at one point where we, where we, uh, we basically did our budget as wise stewards. And there was generosity in our budget. And there's a whole range of different things. And we were around $500 a month short between our income and our expenses. We needed an extra $500. And we went through it. We did the whole list. Okay, have we got a right mindset? Yep, we've got a right mindset. We're really believing God wants to prosper us and bless us. Are we being wise stewards? Like Danielle was working three jobs. I was working two jobs. We're, okay, we're working hard. We're doing our budget. Uh, so we kept, and we just said, Lord, what's the key here? And the Lord said, this is a faith issue. So I want to show you that I can supernaturally multiply what you're sowing back to your world, but you're going to have to go after it in faith. And so we sit together for 10 minutes every day to pray over our finances, to declare some scriptures over our finances. God gave us this promise. It was your work will give you what you need. Blessings and good things will come to you. It's out of Psalms. So we began to speak it every day. Because as you speak the Word of God, things are unlocked in the spirit realm. We began to speak it. We'd actually said to our, our prayer was, God, we need 500, but we'd love 1,000. We'd love to be able to go to the movies. We'd love to be able to go out and have dinner. We'd love, you know, all these things. And we began to pray. What we found over a, a, a four or five month period as we're just praying is just randomly, God would like, People not from our church would gave us 500 bucks one month. One, another time we, we collected this money we didn't realise was, was ours. I think there's flybys points involved and all, all sorts of things over a period of four or five months. Every month God would release supernatural and our faith is growing because we're ex- see, faith has to be exercised. Faith has, it's like a muscle. If you're, not, if you're not exercising it, it's just a concept. We're exercising our faith. We're facing the fear and the doubt that this might not work, but we're staring it down, binding the devil, believing the Word of God. And then at the end of about, I can't remember how many months, but, but, but at the end of a period of time, our church overseer sat down with, our, with us and our board and looked at our wages and said, oh, you, you were taking a lower wage to kind of look after the previous pastor, but you're way being underpaid. He talked to our board and suddenly we got a $2,000 a month increase to get up to the kind of level that we should have been paying, uh, should have been being paid. And it was this beautiful moment to us. It was like we pumped up the back tyre, our faith tyre. And that lesson has gone into houses, investment properties, my business, Time and time again, God has demonstrated He's a provider when we've activated our faith. I want us to close our eyes right now. And uh, I'm just going to do a real quick survey. I want you to think about what's the flattest wheel in your financial car right now. Is it a right mindset? Wise stewardship? Generosity? Or a spirit of faith? Quick survey. No one's looking. This, just you. Going, I need to work on this. Okay, who would say it's a right mindset? Put your hand up. Say, that's me. Got to go to work on my mindset. Cool. Who would say it's wise stewardship? I need to go to work on our, my stewardship. 
Cool. Who would say it's generosity? I need to really get strong in generosity. Great. Who would say it's faith? I need to activate my faith. Yeah. Okay. Lots of people. Father, I pray today for an impartation of faith. Lord, I pray that you would show yourself to be the provider, the one who blesses. Lord, that there would be an overflow of supernatural provision in the lives of your children that flow into this church and flow into the community and flow into the the, the world around about us. Bless these amazing people, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. God bless you guys. Thank you. Thanks so much for joining us here on our podcast. We encourage you to let this word further help you live and share the life to the full that Jesus gives. If you want to check out more about our upcoming events, service times, locations, or to give online, go to c3hh.com.au.